When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on an NHL veteran of over 650 games. He was a Stanley Cup champion for the Pittsburgh Penguins, played a lot of years with the Washington Capitals as well. What a conversation we had with Eric Fair. And Eric grew up in Winkler, Manitoba, played his... Junior hockey in the Western Hockey League for the branded Wheat Kings before embarking on that long NHL career. And man, so many good nuggets in this one. So cool to talk to a guy that played so long that was a Stanley Cup champion, is a Stanley Cup champion. And uh, this was just a really, really fun conversation. But before we do get over to Eric, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, the one Jehu Jeffrey Levesque. Vex, what's up today, my man? Let me guess. I'm buzzing. I'm well, buzzing, Toph. I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm buzzing, buzzing Toph, because <laughs> of a huge W that I got to put in the uh, the win column on Christmas Day. Oh, my God. I think you know what I'm talking about. I did touch it on the end of the podcast. Toph and I played in a little family shinny hockey game in his parents' basement. And old Jehu, Jehu, Jeffrey Levecchio came out the victor. So I just wanted to throw that out to all the listeners. Toph, Hockey IQ 100, Jehu, Hockey IQ 4 came out, <laughs> came out with the W. Thank you very much. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Had I known, had I known that this was going to be a topic on the podcast, there was no way I was going to lose that game. I would have shoved my five-year-old daughter out of the way and said, Hey, pagey girl. Oh, by the way, I was going to mention that. And I can't remember what you said to her. What did you say to her when we were playing? So, okay. So let me, let me, (laughs) I can't forgot about this. Time out. Because as soon as the game was over, as soon as Vinny (laughs) scored the G dub in my head, I went, yes, I am bringing this up on the podcast. (laughs) That was the first thought that crossed my mind. Just so you know. Hey, dude. So I can't remember what it was. So my daughter is five (laughs) and like can barely hold a hockey stick, but was like so excited to come down and, and play with everybody. And what I can't remember what you did and what you said to her now because well, I thought she was much, on the but... other team. I thought she was on the other team. It turns out I think she was on my team. And no, she like... was on my team. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. she started, but she was kind of just down there, like yeah. probably she shooting just, both ways. Was, yeah, for sure. But you like kind of let her get the ball. <laughs> it was, I think you guys were up a goal at that time. And I saw you letting her get it so she could, you know, everybody's going to let the little five year old girl, you know, run down and take a shot. And, 
as soon as everybody kind of parted ways, I literally toe dragged it off her stick, buried it on your younger brother, and yelled, "Suck it, Paige!" And I swear to God, I didn't mean to. I it just like it just was like it was like oh boom toe drag bam suck it page. Like, you were like, dude, she's five, and I was like, uh, I'm sorry, but it's tied. <laughs> sorry, but it's tied. <laughs> a goal's a goal. Oh God, I remember. I was like shocked. Oh I yeah. was like, oh yeah. I was like shocked that you said it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then I think you were like, okay, we're playing like that. And then everybody <laughs> yeah. turned it up and not yeah, and immediately probably. after Cody checked me through the stanchion <laughs> and, and your dad's door is broken in the basement now. Oh. And, and I was like, what? I don't know what's happening here. That is so yeah. funny. I completely forgot about that. I'm so glad you, not the loss, but I'm so glad you brought that thing yeah. up with Paigey because, and I don't think she heard you. No, um, no, but, I don't think so either. I yeah. did yell it pretty loud, but yeah, she, I mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And I think I looked at her directly in the eye too. And I was just like, <laughs> this ball is mine. <laughs> this ball is mine. I thought of that exact same thing in my head. No when I said way. That. I swear to God, that no reminds way. me of Andrew Freely. Remember Andrew Freely? Yeah. The goalie yeah. The goalie, right? Yeah. His, him and his seventh grade girlfriend. Yeah. That was their song. Him and Lauren Westbrook. Yep. That was their song. I don't, why do I remember that? I don't know, but Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So all right. So this podcast conversation was a lot of fun. (laughs) And uh this actually was a lot of fun. I can't believe you stole the ball from my five-year-old daughter. (laughs) Hey, let's move on. Let's move on. I did score. I did score the tying goal, and then we scored right after that to win the game. You are correct. Um You know, it's it's okay. You you know, there's always next year for you to try and win. It is funny. So Paigey's just getting into it, and I'm trying to like find ways to like make it fun. So she like wants to do it, and it's actually kind of cool because like she's starting to like be able to kind of skate a little bit better, and she like didn't love skating because she wasn't good at it. And she like doesn't like that she's not good at it, and she's finally kind of starting to get it. So it's really cool that like she's getting passionate about it a little not passion it's probably not the right word but she's like enjoying it a little bit more and wants to do it a little bit more and wants to go to public skate you know like let's go to the rink daddy can we go to your rink and skate and uh and so trying to find like little things for her and get her excited about it and then here's jay who freaking stealing a ball from her and telling her to suck it like i'm like oh my god this just this just undid about six months of me not being the crazy parent and shoving her on the ice and just like taking it slow <laughs> hey to be fair you know it's it's no holds bar when our family plays shinny hockey downstairs. I mean, I get it. I get I'm, it. I'm just. I was I it get it. I was a little bit. Yes. I was just a little bit surprised. That's you, all. You, I'm sitting here now, <laughs> saying, you know what? I'm I'm okay with it. Shouldn't I'm, have been surprised I'm either. Okay. <laughs> I put Cody in the hospital one year <laughs> with a high stick to the lip when he was like seven. <laughs> so you know, I just keep it. Keep that trend going. I'll oh, do whatever I have Scott to. Win. Family holiday hockey stuff. Somebody gets hurt, or five year olds get told to suck it. So either way, either way, it's uh, it's good time. But anyway, Eric Fair, Eric Fair. This this actually, dude. This was like an unreal conversation, man. Like this was a lot of fun. I mean. Yeah, not every day you get to ask somebody with the platform that we have, with the reach that we have to be able to make a positive impact on people on, you know, just longevity in the NHL and getting the chance to play with Ovi and Sid and and just like what made certain teams like a Stanley Cup team successful. I mean, just so many good stuff. And and I said it on the podcast, but like, I don't think it could be, we did this last week too. 
but is it overstated or understated? Can't, this can't be overstated. This can't be, can't be overstated. Steph, overstated. Steph with the win. This right, can't be overstated giving enough. Us the point up. All right, Steph. The hardest thing in the world is longevity because longevity equals consistency, and consistency is the hardest thing in the world. Maybe that's the hardest thing in the world. Maybe which leads to longevity, but like the, the career that this guy had and the type of hockey that he had to play to play that long, um, just as a, a defensive shutdown centerman. I mean, it just goes to show you like this guy obviously has a skill to be able to play in the NHL, but he has the mindset and the will he has to, to be able to do that. It was really cool to pick his brain about a lot of those different things. And I think everybody who's listening is, is going to take a lot out of just hearing him talk about his journey, both as an individual player and just like the certain teams that he was on. Very, very cool. I have a lot of respect, a lot of respect too, um, for pros who were like nasty goal scorers, point guys when they were in juniors or college, and then they get to pro and they have to completely kind of switch that role. I, I, that is totally. so, that's so hard to do. Like it's, 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 you know, a lot of guys, maybe they're, they let their ego get in the way and get the best of them and be like, no, I'm going to continue to play like a skill guy, um, which is definitely different than a bottom six guy, um, especially at the NHL level. And for him to be able to do that and do it so consistently well and so long, um, it's, it's so cool. You know, it's like, man, I wish we could have had this conversation with myself in college. You know what I mean? Not that I was yeah. a skill guy or anything like that, but just like that mindset, like do whatever you have to do to stay on the team and, and add value. Just, I don't care what it is to do it, literally do it nonstop every day. Um, and it's, it's really impressive. And I love these stories, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, yeah. dude, let, let the WHL in points. Yeah. Like, that's gross. Ew. Yeah. And by sure. like, by like 12 or 15 or something, I think if I remember correctly too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like I, I do, you know, I like to ask a lot of questions to people who are successful and yeah, like questions I ask a lot of like NHL development guys or like assistant GMs or, you know, just like agents that have player, like what's the difference? What's the difference between somebody that plays in the NHL and stays there? versus somebody that plays in the NHL and then goes down and up and down. And that's kind of like their career. And there's plenty of both. Right. And it's amazing how many people talk about consistency and that's it. Like it's nothing crazy except they, you know what you're going to get from those people every day. And there's a reliability that goes to that, that GMs and coaches absolutely love. Like if I know what I'm going to get from this person every day, I'm going to trust that person a lot more to throw them over the boards in different types of situations because there's just a trust there that's built. Okay. So how do you develop that trust and consistency? It's by being consistent. And how do you be consistent by preparing consistently and doing the same things over and over and over every single day. I can't wait till you guys listen to how he talks about Crosby. Like, it's it, there. It's not an accident why this guy is going to go down as a top five to ten player of all time, and um, it's I just, think he's the best player of all time. Personally, mm-hmm. I know not. I know not a lot of people believe that or agree with that, but I personally think that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Wayne Gretzky has more assists than anybody has still, points. I still think Crosby is the best player of all time. Mm-hmm. Can't change my mind. It's an opinion. Okay. It's an opinion. Facts don't care about your feelings, Jeffrey. <laughs> okay. You just tweeted something like that the other day. Or I did. Today, uh, maybe. It was today. 
It was today. <laughs> it was today. But this is subjective, not objective. You could say Wayne Gretzky had more points. Yes, you are correct. That still is think, objective. I still think if you throw a puck on the ice and say, play one-on-one, Wayne Gretzky at your best, Sidney Crosby at your best, and you yeah, can't but do that's that not because a fair, it's Yeah, but that's not talking about the best player it. of all time. That's who's going to protect the puck better. Uh, yeah, I get it. I still want I still want Sidney Crosby. So if you're going to... You, you, you guys... You have the DM first us. pick of a fantasy draft. The first pick of a fantasy draft. Sidney Crosby. Really? Over Sydney Wayne Crosby. Gretzky. Sidney Crosby 100% of the time. Man, I don't... He's going to affect culture within the organization for years and years didn't. and years. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I, I, I haven't talked to, I've serve. talked to some of Gretzky's teammates, haven't talked to like, uh, you know, all of them, but I mean like everything. And I'm obviously also thinking in like today's age versus like, like off ice locker room mindset, how he take care of himself, all that type of stuff. Like yeah, Wayne Gretzky was like an the Apple greatest ambassador for hockey ever. I, I mean, is is did Wayne Gretzky? I mean, maybe we just get Wayne Gretzky on the pod. Like, let's just call. Yeah, him, we'll get him. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Gretz, Gretz, somebody hit up Gretz for us. I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to say anybody but Gretzky, man. Yeah, like, I'm taking Crosby. All right, all right, that's fine. That's your opinion. Yeah. Uh, all right, so. Eric Fair, awesome podcast. Let's uh, let, we should just get let's get over to the podcast. Yeah, let's this get over to the unreal. podcast. All right, please so. listen to this and coaches, please listen to the things that this guy's saying are important too because you'll hear it on the podcast. Every level you go up, everybody can't be the goal scorer. Everybody can't be the guy, and a lot of guys are a big fish in a small pond, and they go up to that next level, and they've got to eat a shit burger or they've got to sit on the bench a little bit more. They're not going to be in the power play in year one. They're going to have to earn it. And this is something that you can help them with at whatever age they're at now by doing some things that Eric's going to talk about here. So definitely give this a, a listen. It's a good one. Really, really good one. Love it. Love it, man. Well, thank you to gel sticks for allowing this to be possible. G E L S T X.com go there and get a discount on your weighted trading sticks or lacrosse sticks or golf clubs by using the coupon code think tank one word. One word, think tank. Uh, thank you to Train Heroic. That's where all my online training is housed for junior teams, college teams, pros, uh, um, organizations, uh, everybody across the world. Not a big deal. Thousands of athletes trained now. And you can also, if you're a mom or a dad, January 1st coming around, a lot of people have, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you have a hydraulic seat? You guys can't see what's happening right now, but it's amazing. <laughs> so you are so bad. Steph, you gotta, you gotta like put that on the video. Cause I don't, that was tripping me out anyway. Sorry. Guys. I've got one of these like standing desks, but it's like, so she gets money for her cause she works remotely. So she gets money from her company for like a home office or whatever. So she bought this like desk that you can like go up oh, and the down. desk is moving. The seat isn't. The desk is moving. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I stand now. Like, it's awesome. I get to stand and do the podcast. I'm not sitting down. You're standing right now. Yeah, man. Did you not see me like doing all this? No, I honestly didn't. I thought you were just like wheeling and dealing in a chair. Vex just zones out when I'm talking. He (laughs) doesn't give a shit what he's. I thought you were like just like fat guy, and, <laughs> just you know, like in code. my chair. No, yeah. I'm like kind of moving around. Uh, all right, all right. I dig it. I dig so, it. So yeah, I thought I thought that would throw you off a little bit. So yeah, that was awesome. Sorry. Anyways, train hook. Thank you to train hook. Appreciate you guys, moms and dads. Be the role model. Get yourself healthier. Show your kids how important being healthy is. 
if you want to start Tofa's doing it again right now and I can't stop laughing. If you want, join my trade me team. You get a week free. Okay. It's in my Instagram bio or just search uh ripped hockey train with me, Jeff Levecchio train me. Also want to thank cured nutrition. If you want to try out some CBD helps your brain, helps you recover, helps you sleep, helps anxiety, helps with tons of different things. And Telf is still doing it. And if you want to try the CBD, use discount code GMBM on curednutrition.com. Telf, you butthead, go. <laughs> She's calling me a butthead. Yeah, you're trying to make me laugh. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you to icehockeysystems.com, uh, the best site for all of your coaching education needs. Thousands of drills, whiteboard explanations. And we have partnered with them for an association's platform so you can get this for all of the coaches within your association hockey directors these guys kill it there are so many teams around the u.s and canada even over in europe that have done this with their association because it is an absolute game changer because not only does it make your coaches better but also they have access to the hockey think tank parent survival guide which you can disseminate out to all of your parents which will help them understand the journey a little bit better and will help you with the amount of emails that you get from crazy parents. So go to icehockeysystems.com and look up the associations tab for the associations platform, get it for everybody. You guys are going to absolutely love this conversation with Eric fair. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for continuing to support our podcast. If you can, please share us to whoever you can, your parent groups, your association groups, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, tw- TikTok. What else is there? Vex. He LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Oh, that's a good one. LinkedIn. Uh, right. WhatsApp. Uh, MySpace. <laughs> Do we have a MySpace or no? That's not a thing. MySpace. There's nine in there. Does your niner? <laughs> niner. <laughs> Uh, but thank you guys so much for all the support. You are why we continue to do this and we continue to try to get on awesome guests like Eric Fair. So without further ado, here is NHL veteran, Stanley Cup champion, Eric Fair. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast up in beautiful Winkler, Manitoba. We have Eric Fair on the podcast. Eric, how are you doing today? Doing very well. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Really, really excited to to have you on here and kind of share your journey with us. And uh, you're back in your hometown now, just uh, recently retired from the game of hockey after a really long career. And uh, before we get into stuff, how's it uh, being back home? Uh, it's a little bit colder than I remember. Uh, I haven't <laughs> been around for winter forever. And, uh, you know, it definitely hits you hard. So a little bit of a rude awakening for me. But other than that, it's great to be back with family and friends and um, just kind of get into the hockey dad scene. So it's uh, it's fun and, and exciting for me. How long before you get the outdoor rink going? I was already debating about next winter. You know, <laughs> I'm not settled right now, but next winter, um, you know, something uh, for the kids to play on for sure. So you're you're in the hockey dad life now. Have you seen any uh, brawls at the rink or brawls in the stands with parents? Uh, no, I'm still in Timbits. It's pretty calm right now, but uh, I feel like it's going to get ramped up pretty quick. <laughs> the, spring, the spring invites are already coming out for the Uh-oh. and everything. So you you know it's coming. Ooh. Look out, spring invites. That's like that's like a really stressful time for parents, isn't it? Like, is my kid going to make the spring league team that's going to you know the tournament or whatever? It's a tough thing to get into because, like, for me, I obviously know it doesn't matter if he plays it or not. 
but it's kind of exciting for them at the same time. So you don't want to not let them do it, but I know that it's kind of pointless. So, um, you know, you got to make that decision at some point. But I haven't made it yet. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Well, you're talking about being a hockey dad now there in Winkler and, and you were a hockey son growing up in Winkler at one point in your life. So uh, if you can, just uh, tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with the game and, and who were kind of like your biggest influences growing up that allowed you to grow the passion for it. Yeah, I grew up on a farm uh, just outside Winkler. So I actually grew up skating on a pond and uh, you probably hear a lot of those stories from the oh, yeah. uh, media and inter- interview guys. But, uh, you know, for me, I just love playing outside and um, didn't really play organized hockey. My, my best friend said, you got to play like you got to come out and uh, convince my parents to let me play. And um, he's he's taken credit for my NHL career ever <laughs> since. So uh, that's that's kind of the way it went for me. Just um, loved playing, played in my basement all day, every day and, and played outside as much as I could and, and just couldn't get enough of it. That's unreal. So uh, yet another NHL player who talks about playing in the basement and playing in the pond and did you play, unstructured did you play, play. Knee hockey in, uh, in <laughs> hotels. Did you play knee hockey? We did in the hotels until they make you stop. Cause their walls are all banged up and damaged <laughs> and they probably There's- take it out. There's like coaches now who are literally like for the little kids, not, not like junior players for little kids, like banning, like knee hockey and like no pool. And I'm like, dude, no fun. I mean, like those are my best times that I remember in hockey are those battle Royales in the, in the banquet room in some crappy hotel. And I don't even remember what city, but like, that's what I remember about youth hockey. Well, it's just like the NHL. Like if you look back at the career, you don't really remember the games. You remember the good times you had on the road. You remember, you know, all that your teammates, but you don't actually remember the score and the, the game you were dashed for. I mean, you might win. You might remember one of those, but <laughs> you don't remember the game, but you remember the ass chewing that you had afterwards yeah. <laughs> when you weren't, when you weren't the, the fast enough first guy in on the, on the four check. <laughs> Crazy. Well, you, uh, so you, you grew up in Winkler and you end up going to the WHL at a time. Um, it's probably a little bit different now than it was back when you were playing and, and, uh, spent quite a few years playing in the WHL. Um, what was your experience like there in Brandon, Manitoba? And just how do you feel like it, um, you know, prepared you for the, you know, the eventually pro hockey where you ended up for so many years? I had a great time in Brandon. I think it was a perfect situation for me in the Western League. That was the closest team that I had at the time, and it was two hours away from my hometown. So um, I got very fortunate that they drafted me, and my parents could come to a lot of the games and support me there. You know, it, it's really tough moving away, but um, I felt like I got lucky, and and I had some good coaches. And um, Kelly McCrimmon was one of my coaches. He's the general manager for for Vegas Golden Knights. Um, you know, he was he was hard on me, but but he obviously saw that I needed to to increase my work ethic a little bit and not just rely on skill and try to turn into more of a pro style of player rather than a junior player. And um, I definitely needed that at the time. And, and I think, uh, you know, I got everything I needed out of the Western league to prepare me for pro. 111 points in 71 games. Yeah. I'd say you got on the Western <laughs> league. My God, 50, 59 tucks in 71 games. Did he break it? Is that bad? New high score. <laughs> Yeah, that was those were the golden years. After that, it was uh, <laughs> downhill after there. But um, it was a lot of fun. We we had some some good players on the team, and uh, you you guys know how juniors. It's a lot like college. You know, those are kind of your best memories. You know, once you turn pro, it, things change. But but junior in college is is where you really bond with your teammates and uh, have have some good times. 
No question. Well, I, I want to go back to, you know, you talk about Kelly McCrimmon and kind of challenging you um, to be maybe a more well-rounded player uh, when you got to juniors. And I, I think that that's like such an important thing to talk about on a podcast like ours, because um, one of the things that we kind of really hope and talk about is versatility in terms of development, even at the youngest of ages and how, you know, so many youth coaches today will allow their best players to do whatever they want because they don't want to upset the apple cart. But in reality, if you're doing that and you're not teaching them how to be versatile players, like you have a shelf life because like, you know, you were one of the leading scorers in the WHL, but you know, you go to Washington, you're not going to take Alex Ovechkin spot on the power play. And um, so I, I just feel like that that's such a great message. And I think that needs to be emphasized a little bit more is just making sure we're really teaching the game and both sides of the puck and just how to be versatile hockey players. Um, is that something that like having that experience in Brandon, um, having a coach that challenged you like that, was that something you think led to kind of like you're, I mean, you had played in the NHL for a long time, just like your longevity. Um, was that big for you? Yeah, it was, it was huge for me. Just, I think the work ethic thing was the big thing. Cause when you're scoring a ton of goals, you can, you can kind of get away with not back checking and, and just relying on the power play and, and doing all that stuff. But at the end of the day, that's not going to make you a good pro player. So, um, you know, I tried to work hard on my defensive game. I got on the penalty kill a little bit in junior, but still didn't get it to that next level. And uh, I got a funny story for you when I was playing in Washington. So I played wing my whole career. I was a scoring winger, just played on the power play. Um, it wasn't happening for me anymore. I wasn't putting up the points that I needed to in the NHL. And Adam Oates was my coach, and we're in preseason. Um, it's the, We finished the last game of preseason. I played wing the entire preseason. And Oatesy comes to me after practice. He goes, Bearsy, uh, you're going to play center next game. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm watching you. You kind of have some defensive tendencies. You're good with your stick. You're big. You're tall. Like People don't really get around you. You're going to play center. And I've never played center in my life. And preseason's already over. Like, practice time was done. And we're opening up the season against the Stanley Cup champ, Chicago Blackhawks, at the United Center. <laughs> so this guy, he, he says, you're playing center. So I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? I'm not going to argue with the coach. So the first game in United Center, I'm getting matched up against Patrick Kane's line. Come the, on. The night they unveil the banner. And this, this, all I remember is dun, 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 dun. I heard that song <laughs> the entire night. I was minus three. And just like, this is terrible. And Otzi goes, we're going to do it again. We're going to keep going. No and kidding. That was, that was the best thing ever because it extended my career by probably five, six years because a big right-handed shot centerman shut down you know, that, that made me a little bit more valuable. Wow. wow. So all the coaches here listening to this story, these are the kind of things, stories, anecdotes that you need to tell your players when you move them around and maybe they're not happy right away. Like Tof and I always talk about like, what is your why for everything? If you have a guy and especially when they're younger, like, and, and Tof and I have talked about this. Like, I think up until like juniors, you should force your players in midgets and below to play every position, even defense, even if it's for a game, just get them to see a different vision. And here we have a guy who played in the NHL for 8 billion years, led the WHL in scoring and, and uh, started a sick new company. We'll talk about that later. And 
he just said that his pro career got extended five years because he got forced to play a position that he had never played before at what the NHL you, level, at the NHL level. Yeah. What if you start That's having your, you want to learn it right there? Yeah. Right. Right. right, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, if you could, if you can get in your player's head, how important it is. Yes. This will be awkward. I know that you're left-handed and you're on the right wing or you're playing right D, whatever it is. Like it's going to make them a better player. And at the very least, it's going to give them a different viewpoint, a different lens to view a game in. So now like me as a winger, I remember personally, like coaches always getting on. I always want to break away. like when I was younger, I was just fast and I played with Paul Stasny. So he would get the puck and I would just skate as fast as I could. And he would get me the puck and I'd bury a breakaway. And, and I remember like never really coming all the way back down in the zone. Cause I, I was cheating, you know? And, and, when you put yourself in that defenseman's position and then you're like, Oh God, that, that guy's not open. Then as a, as a winger, I realize, Oh, okay. That's why I have to come back to help my teammate out. And and I think that the more coaches can do this at the younger levels, you know, it's going to make their players so much better. And like what happened with you, it's going to extend their career. hundred percent. If, if you don't know what the centerman's dealing with down there, if you don't know how hard it is to find your guy and, and how hard it is when the defense are just getting auto fire from the top because their wingers aren't covering them properly. Like you're not going to respect it, but if you get down there and realize how tough it is, maybe you're not yelling at your teammates as much and, and just, you know, works uh, on making your team better in the end. That's awesome. And just the way that hockey is now, I mean, defense are in front of the net in the offensive zone and getting the puck in the corner going down. And when you're tracking back, like it's one, two, three, four, five, it ain't like two D go to the, or one D go to the corner at the center. And then the defenseman goes to the front of the net. Like that's the way that higher level hockey is going. And so just like you guys are talking about having the ability to know what those different positions, like the habits that are important and kind of how to do it and feel through it and fail through it, especially at the younger ages, like you're just making better hockey players and you're making players that like coaches love when they get to the higher levels, because then we don't have to coach as much, <laughs> you know, because a lot of times, it, you know, you're getting these, these kids who haven't learned a lot of these things and they really struggle and they really struggle and they got to fail through and they got to fail through and they got to fail through because fairs, like you said, like they haven't gotten the reps at the younger ages to be able to do that. And um, yeah, just like multiple positions, just with the perspective, like you guys are talking about and also the way that the game is played now, it's just like, it, it's, you're just making better hockey players. Yeah. And I'll double down on what you guys said uh, a couple of weeks ago about taking face offs. Like, Everybody should be taking face-offs. Like there, there's a guy on the ice whose sole purpose is to win the face-off, and he's getting paid to do it. Um, everybody should learn to do that. If you know you're going to get on the penalty kill, you might get on the power play. You know, you're always looking for that guy that can win the draw. Is there anything specific you did to work on draws out of the box, other than just taking as many draws as you could? Like, did you do anything specific in the gym, or visualize, or watch video on face-offs, or just like? mainly just like take as many as you can to, to get reps and, and that type of stuff. I took as many reps as I could. And uh, Otsi taught me, you know, a couple of the key things when I first started getting into it, because I was the guy who the sentiment got tossed out. I didn't want to go in. Like I, I was the <laughs> other guy that refused to go in. 
So for me, it was taking a lot of reps, but also I loved watching the other team centermen. So before a game, I would watch all their face-offs. You know, is this guy slashing my stick? Is he coming underneath my blade? What's he doing? And once you get ahead of the guy and you start winning a couple, their tails start spinning a little bit. And it's like a big game of rock, paper, scissors. Like, what am I going to do next? You kind of want to get in front of it. So that was kind of my strategy was, you know, come at this guy quick so I know what he's doing early and, and kind of get ahead of him. Rochambeau, respect. What What would you say with, with like the centerman that I've kind of worked with? I'd love to get your take on this, but I was always kind of like a big believer in telling them like the, the draw is won or lost before the puck is dropped. Like I feel like confidence is such a big thing and we've all been there. Like I've had centermen that I've played against that I, I knew I was going to lose the draw going in because he just had my number for whatever reason. I'd probably try and break his wrist or something like that. But <laughs> um, like talk about like maybe like a mindset. Um, yeah, a lot of what you're saying is just preparing yourself by watching video, which I think is awesome. But maybe for some of like the kids maybe that are younger that don't have that ability um, and just your mindset going into it. So my mindset going into the draw would be like desperation like this every draw is important. You know, you never go into the face-off. It's just another face-off. Like this is a face-off that I'm going to win and my team gets a chance to score or get it out of the zone or whatever it is. And then the other thing for me that I always, you know, if I wasn't winning draws, I'd watch and I'd think I'm too far away from the circle. Like the whoever's over the dot the most seems to win the most draws. If you, if you watch the top players, like the pucks are bouncing, the ref drops, it bounces over your stick. You need to second swipe. You know, the, the guy who's closest to the dot usually wins those. The guys that, that's lower to the dot that can swipe faster. So those are kind of things that I would key in on is, is making sure if I miss that first one that I was close to the dot for that second one and just staying in it, you know, like not selling out for the first one and falling, falling on my back. Like you're, you got to stay in it until the puck's gone. Love that. I love that. Is Max, that, did you take many draws? I actually did because I killed. When like, you're killing? Yeah. The, re the reason I probably signed with Boston was because I killed like a lot and scored a lot of shorties too. What's up? Not a big deal. Um, but uh, second in the nation, sophomore year, I believe that was uh, 2006. I don't know. Anyways, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. yeah no, there but, but I, I feel like what you guys are saying is dead on. If I was going in confident, I would. I'd be over 50%, you know, and if I, if I was going in and I was going against a guy who just like had my number, I, I would just get in my own head and start, you know, getting pissed off and I'd just lose them all clean. But something, something else I wanted to ask um, along these lines, but slightly venturing off if Tope doesn't have any more ta uh, questions on, on face-offs, we talked about two things that you kind of are telling younger players that they should do play multiple positions because you know, the more you get to learn those, you have more of a bag of tricks you can pull out of when you, when you're older and take more face-offs. Are there any things else that you would tell your younger self, like your 13 year old self, if you go back in time and you say, Hey, little, little big Eric, cause you're probably huge back then too. Little big guy do this stuff. It's going to help you in the future. What would you, what would you tell that man? I would probably say to work on stuff that you're not good at. I think it's super easy for kids like, oh, I got a great shot. I'm just going to keep working on my shot, which you should. But work on stuff that's maybe not cool. I wish I would have worked on skating a lot more. Um, I wasn't the best skater. I didn't have my first skating coach till I was traded to the, or to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I got injured, and I needed to, to do some stuff. I broke my, my finger, couldn't really shoot. So I go, oh, let's work on your skating. I was like, cool. I've never worked on my skating before. And it was like unbelievable. The difference I could make even in season, you know, working with a skating coach. 
that's probably something I should have done earlier. And um, once again, you're playing the NHL. It's not cool to work on your skating. Um, if I would have done that, I, I probably would have benefited from it a lot. So work on stuff that's maybe not cool, that you're not good at, um, stuff like that. When, when you say work on your skating, can you be a little bit more specific, like like power skating, edges, kind of all of it, skating with the puck? Like, w- w- be more specific, please. Most of it was probably edges. So the first day I, I was working with a skating coach, um, she looked at the way I tied my skates. She's like, you're tying your skates wrong. Like, your skates are too tight. I'm like, what? Like, I've been I've, my skates have been this tight for my entire career. She's like, you cannot bend your knees with your skates this tight. So I loosened up my skates and like, I got a lot of time off here. Like this is a big injury. I'm going to be out a while. So like, I'm willing to make an adjustment like this. And I started skating and all of a sudden my strides a little bit longer. And now I can like feel my edges a little bit better. Like it it was crazy how much that all changed. And I became a much better skater. I was probably about 32 years old at the time. And I was a noticeably better skater. So it's crazy just getting the right type of coaching, how much that can help. That's wild. Was that after you were in Washington? Yeah, that was after I was in Washington. I went to Pittsburgh and then I got traded to Toronto. And it's crazy. I, I have to be one of the, the last guys ever. I, I didn't take any hockey schools ever. So like I didn't do any hockey schools, no, no anything, no training, no skills coach, no anything. I was just kind of just a farm boy mucking it in the NHL. And if I would have had a little bit more, um, you know, coaching some one-on-one training that could have maybe helped me along the way, I think it would have benefited me a lot. I'm uh, I'm looking. At, I asked about you know which team you're on because I'm looking at. I, thought, I just you know did a, a Google search real quick and did images and I can see how you were tying your skates because like this these are the little things that like in pro like I constantly was looking at like how did guys tape their sticks how did they tape their knob how did they lace their skates because I like just trying everything and seeing if anything felt a little bit better and and like so did you go all the way up uh, with your laces not skipping any holes before the the skating coach and what did you change when you did that so i just went right up to the top but like i would pull it as tight as i could possibly pull it It looks like it i could see it i tied mine the same way <laughs> yeah. and, and then i like put my finger over the lace like this thing's not loosening up at all <laughs> and i'm just gonna quickly tie it and you're just like you can't even bend your ankles but that that's the way i was grinding out there so that's just what i did and um, you know, I, I wish I would have known that one a little bit earlier. Did, did she just have you loosen up the top hole or did you, cause like at the end of my career, I learned from a couple guys, I did it probably like the last, like only the last two years, I want to say. Um, but one of my Canadian guys, French Canadian, uh, Olivier Latendresse, great guy. He had me, uh, go from the third one as you're going up, skip the second hole and then go outside the top loop and then inside and it kept them tighter, but it allowed you to be- get a little bit more dorsiflexion. So your knee over your toe more, even though you still felt tight in the boot. So if you, you used to lace yours pretty wide, right? Or is that just because you got a hobbit foot? <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I have to admit, I just tied my skates. I don't, yeah, I never, dude, honestly you- never thought of. Anything like did this. Did you tie them tight or did you tie them loose? I tied them tight. I for sure tied them tight. But they were wide, right? What like do you mean by skate, wide? Like, like I don't know if you can see his picture. See, see, yeah. like how close his, uh, like, eyelet eyelets are. Oh, you're talking about up at the top? Just the whole skate. Oh, like, can you see? Top. It's like oh. parallel all yeah, the way. Yeah, up. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude, mine was like square. Was 
Yeah, yours was pretty wide. I have like a square foot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This this is really interesting. A lot of yeah. skating coaches that I talk to, they all say like, don't do the top hole or do the thing I said where you skip the second hole, crisscross outside so that you can get more dorsiflexion. And like knowing what I know now about like training and uh, um, power and efficiency and all that stuff. If you get a better shin angle, you can create more power efficiently through every stride. So like anybody out there listening, I would say, you know, talk to a skating coach about this or, or mess around with it. Try different lacing deals. Try t- no top hole. Try missing the top two. Like, I don't know. Try all different things. Well, how many, like how, how many times did the two of you guys hear growing up anything about ankles when it came to skating? No, nothing. Never. Yeah, Scott, and it didn't fit in your boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But like nobody, and like now, I mean, that's a huge part of learning to skate is that ankle flexion, and and um, and a lot of it goes like what you guys are talking about because I got new skates. Was it last year or two years ago? And um, it was the first time I got new skates in I don't know ten years. Let's call it. And I could like when I put my foot in and I had all this room for my ankle to move, I, it felt so awkward at first. Like I, I literally like it was hard to like turn and on my edges and things like that. And so I'm like, what the hell is going on with these new skates? And then like just hearing about it and then hearing you guys talk and stuff. I mean, it makes starting to make sense, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, any edge you can get, you know, I mean, that's what I'm always looking for. 100%. Well, Eric, so I I wanted to ask you about um, your transition from uh, Brandon into the NHL. Uh, One of the things we talk about a lot on the podcast is just like, you know, your journey to your dreams is is not a a straight arrow or a straight line. It's filled with a lot of ups and downs um, and twists and turns along the way. And, and obviously you had an unbelievable career at, at, at Brandon. Um, and you know, it took you a couple years before you became an NHL regular, you were kind of up and down with Hershey. Um, so if you can just like talk a little bit about that time, um, that you were kind of going up and down and maybe have a couple stories and, and just kind of like what, what led you to become like a steady everyday NHL or like, was there something different that you did? Was there a switch that turned? Was it something somebody told you? Um, cause I, one of the questions that I love asking to people like yourself or like even agents who have a lot of guys that are up and down or whatever, I'd like to ask them, like, what's the difference between an everyday NHL or somebody that goes kind of up and down? Um, so I know I just threw a lot at you there. Terrible hosting question. Um, <laughs> but if you can't talk about your time up and down in Hershey and then kind of what you feel like led you to become an everyday NHLer. Yeah, it was, it was nice to, to get that slower step into the AHL before jumping right into the NHL. Um, you know, when I was kind of breaking in out of junior, it was very rare for players to go straight from junior to the NHL. I think it's a lot more common now. You kind of have to earn your stripes and, um, had to play on the fourth line forever with with some fighter and, um, you know, kind of find your way to score, <laughs> slowly work your way up the lineup. So I, I ended up playing in Hershey for a couple of years. Uh, I was fortunate enough my first year in the American Hockey League, we won the Calder Cup. So we had a very fun team. We had a, a great team. Um, I, I feel like I learned a lot there. And, and I was hoping at that point that I'd be done with the, the minor leagues. I wanted to move up. But uh, it doesn't usually work that way. So uh, spent some more time in the next couple of years uh, up and down Hershey, Washington, um, you know, just trying to trying to break into it. And for me, I, I don't know if there was one specific time or one specific switch that flipped. Um, I think maybe just like an injury or something just to get called up and 
um, and to stay there. So, uh, you know, it was fun in the minors, but obviously that's not where you want to be uh, at the end of the day when, when your goal is the NHL. What was it? Was maybe um, a piece of advice that a, an older player gave to you or a coach that you trusted? Was there anything um, that you either saw or somebody said to you that was kind of like made you understand what the life was like a little bit more, understand what it took to be an everyday NHL or in stick rather than kind of going through the ups and downs and the inconsistencies that, you know, pretty much every single player goes through when they're trying to achieve their dream, any piece of advice or anything like that? Uh, nothing I can think of offhand, but I think the big thing that I learned was like when you're playing in the NHL, it's, it's an everyday thing. Like this isn't like, uh, okay, I'm going to start trying today. It's a month before training camp. We're going to get going here. Like every day you have to think of, you know, what can I do today to, to get better? Like, what can I do that's going to make me a better player, you know, halfway through the year next year, like just every day you're constantly working on getting better. Um, you know, that's it. You're, you're just living it. I mean, you you can't take off day, days off. And, and that was a big thing for me is, you know, in the summer, you kind of relax a little bit. But um, if you want to play in the NHL at that level, you, you have to get better every day. I love that. I had a coach one time describe it. I'm sure you guys have heard it before, but people like that is an everydayer. Like you want as many everydayers in your locker room as you can, because again, like you get better by having people around you that want to get better as well and are going to compete with you and are going to challenge you and things like that. And, you know, I'm sure we've all been on teams where there wasn't that (laughs) and people were taking shortcuts and stuff, you know, a big thing too, for pro players, I think coming out of junior coming out of college or being in the minors, I think the big thing is consistency. Like when you play in the NHL, you have to bring it every single night. You know, when you're in the American Hockey League, you can you can take an off day and uh, you can kind of blend in. But but when you have an off day in the NHL, like, like it shows and and you can really make a fool of yourself. So I think you you have to show up every day with the same mindset and you have to be ready to bring it every single day. And I think that's hard for players coming out of junior. And I think you see a lot of growing pains because these guys don't understand what it takes every single day. And I, I think that's something a lot of players have to learn. Hey guys, I want to introduce you to a new company called NordVPN that allows you to watch things from all over the world and also has an unbelievable security feature for you too. If you're bored of US Netflix, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. There's no need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN can also bring it right to you. With over 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using our show's link at nordvpn.com slash think tank, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. NordVPN also has unbelievable security features that can help protect you, and they've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like, great. If not, they'll issue you a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again at nordvpn.com slash think tank to get your subscription started today. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash think tank. Did you notice a difference um, 
when you first became a pro and uh, as many guys weren't coming out of college back then as they are now, but did you notice any differences on the whole, obviously is a generalization between guys coming out of college that were playing in the A or the NHL and then major junior. As far as just like development, maybe. I, I think the college players are probably a little bit stronger. Like they, you can tell that they've had a lot of time to train. They've been in the gym They're, I would say they're more men. And like the players that come out of junior are generally just kind of tall, lanky guys like me that would get run over and, and out muscled at times. And there's a little bit of a, you know, a gap there where, where you kind of have to figure out, uh, turn yourself into kind of a man's body. Um, you know, I think the, the earlier kids can, can start to do that, obviously the better off they're going to be, but the college kids that came in, they're usually pretty quick and they were usually pretty strong from, from what I recall. Yeah, so it's always interesting to me to to see see those differences. But I feel that's what I always noticed as well. But also, the major junior guys, at least my first couple of year pros, like they were so used to playing so many games. You know, college you're playing half the schedule. Major junior you're playing the same as a pro schedule for the most part. So that's always interesting to me. But I was just looking at your your first year and they tell if I'm sure you looked at his numbers, but he had 53 and 70 in the AHL's first year pro. Like, oh my God, that is a lot of points your first year. And you see, I just saw the roster. You played with Yoni the Pony, Jonas Johansson. I don't know if you remember him, but he was my line mate in Italy my first year. I went over to Europe during the lockout of whatever it was. I don't even know, 13, 14 or one of, one of those years. Great dude. He's an all-time practice player, that guy. That guy. Oh my God. Dude. Tell this guy every tool in the toolbox you could possibly want in practice and warmies. He was a good player, but first rounder, but like huge, jacked, fast as hell, like literally skated like a pony. Absolute howitzer of a shot, too. He was he's a good dude. Yeah. Could he think it? That would be why he's probably still. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, just probably had a better, hockey, like, probably oh, had a better okay. hockey brain than I did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. that's so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, well, Eric, I, I, I have to ask you, so you, you spent a lot of years in Washington, um, you know, and, and those years that you were there were, you know, they eventually went on to, to win a Stanley Cup, but those were probably some growing pains years where the team was figuring out a way how to become a champion and, and how to win. Um you know, what was your time like in Washington, just kind of going through from like a team standpoint, going through some of those ups and downs, you know, every, every team that's won a championship goes through them. And, you know, you talk about, I think a lot of people, Tampa Bay now, right. You talk about Tampa Bay and how they had to learn some of the hard lessons before they became a two-time champion, uh, Pittsburgh, where you were at, they had to learn less Chicago, LA, like every team has lessons to learn. What was it like kind of going through that, those years in Washington, as you guys were trying to figure out how to be a championship team? Well, I absolutely love my time in Washington. It was uh, you know, one of the best times to be in hockey coming up with Ovechkin and Mike Green and uh, Backstrom and Semin just in the heyday where we'd score seven goals every game and just <laughs> seven sets and defense didn't matter. Um, you know, that was a great time, but obviously it gets to the point where you need to start winning playoff games and playoff series. And, um, you know, we had some of the best teams uh, win the, the President's Trophy and all this stuff. We just couldn't get over the hump. Um, it was extremely frustrating. And for us, uh, you know, it almost seemed like we just wanted to fast forward through regular season every year because it didn't matter. We knew we were going to be good. We we're going to be at the top. And it just came down to playoffs every year. And uh, when I was there, we weren't able to get over the hump. So, 
know, that was a very, very frustrating part of it. And obviously I left, uh, you know, before Washington ended up winning, but, um, you know, I, I was very happy for those guys. They've been through a lot and, um, you know, that was a good group of guys at a good locker room and, and, and they deserved one. That's great. That's great. How crazy was it to, I mean, you in Pittsburgh, you guys had some battles, like some absolute battles. And then you go from Washington to Pittsburgh and the next year you win a cup. Um, that must've been nuts, man. Like I, I almost feel like the Chris Farley, you know, those Chris Farley interviews back on Saturday night live. Like you want to Stanley cup. It's awesome. That's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was it like kind of going to Pittsburgh and, and like being playing for your rivals, you know, and then playing against Washington and then, you know, having the success that you had there. Well, I think I lost every caps fan I had, you know, I, I didn't have that many, uh, but I lost all of them. <laughs> when I went over to Pittsburgh. So that was, that was a tough part because of how much I loved Washington and how much time I spent there, but uh, ended up signing in Pittsburgh and we, we played Washington in round two. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I've ever been as nervous as I was playing capitals. Cause we knew like the winner, of this could win the whole thing very easily. And you don't want to leave a team and they win that next year. So, um, you know, that was my Stanley cup right there. And we were able to beat them. Uh, that year they finished ahead of us in the standings they were a very good team um, so that that was that was a big thing for me and then to go on and, and win it all that year obviously was was unbelievable but um, you know playing against your old team in playoffs when it's that fresh that's something else I'm sure I'm sure well we got we got to ask you about OV because when we're recording this he's at 801 right now and uh, one away from passing Gordy Howe um, you know, when you were playing with him back in the day, was it something like seeing where he is now? And like, he's, he, I think he's going to break the goal record. I mean, what was it like to play with him? And like, what did you see from him that allows him to be, I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. I tweeted about it uh, after he scored 800. I've, I've never seen a guy want to score as bad as Ovechkin. <laughs> Just, he wants to score. It doesn't matter if it's practice, if it's a game, if it's eight, nothing, if it's one, one, if you're down 10, he doesn't care. He just wants to score. It's, it's actually a treat to watch. And it's just, you can't stop him. Like teams have been seeing him do the same thing over and over and over again, and they just can't find a way to stop him. And, um, you know, and to add the fact that he's also a physical player and he's super scary to play against, um, you know, he has all the tools. It's, uh, and, and the one thing I'll say about him is I don't think people really appreciate how good of a passer he is. He He's actually an unbelievable passer, but everyone just watches his goals. He he has some nice setups, uh, you know, throughout the years for sure. That's crazy. So, like, when you were playing with him and then you got a chance to play with Crosby as well, you know, I, obviously the media hypes up Bovechkin and Crosby. They're drafted around the same time, uh, both generational-type talents. Was there a little bit of a of a, like – rivalry between the two of them too you think like i can't let this guy one up me and when we're playing you know against each other like it is washington versus pittsburgh but it's also sid versus ovi too it was sid versus ovi pretty much my first eight years <laughs> wow the rest of the game didn't matter and these guys i remember there was a game where they both had a hat trick and like just that like, game was they, unreal they were just trying to one up each other i scored in that game too vex no not a big deal <laughs> <laughs> nobody, oh, re- nobody remembers that one. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean the game that i scored and then yeah. also ovi and sid also had hat tricks <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think the whole thing i don't know if you guys remember the hbo series uh you know the, the winter classic 
the first winter classic one was the penguins versus the Capitals. So this was when it was like the ultimate hype coming HBO is coming in doing this big documentary and it was Sid versus Ovi and like everybody in the world wanted to see it. And, and they delivered every single game. They were, they were amazing, amazing to watch. That's so cool. And, and like the, one of the questions Vex, I feel like we get asked this a lot, Eric, maybe, maybe you do too, but like, obviously we're all, in hockey and competitiveness is a word that gets thrown around a lot and for good reason. Um, but I think competitiveness, like when a lot of people say it, like they would think it's like, Oh, you got to grit your teeth and you just got to win battles. And when there certainly is a, a huge part of that to that, but I almost see like competitiveness as like passion, like passion for what you do. So like when people would say that like, Ovi's not competitive, like, you're just talking about like he wants to score all the time, every time, wants to like win, like it's like absolutely crazy. Whereas like Crosby's competitiveness comes out in a much different way, you know, just by the way that they play. Like, I don't know. I, I always felt like defining compete level was was something that we needed to do a better job of as as coaches, rather than just like see puck, go get puck, even though that's like a huge part of winning battles and stuff, but there's like different ways to be competitive. I don't know if I'm making any sense, Eric, but having the chance to play with both of those guys who are competitive in different ways, um, how, how would you kind of go about explaining that or describing that? Or am I way off? No, you, you're right there. I think with, with Ovi, I kind of explained how he is um, with Sid, you know, he just didn't want to get at work by anybody. He, he was the first guy out for every practice. He'd be out there, uh, just tipping pucks, working on things. He'd, he'd have the whole end. Nobody would would dare go down to the end that he's working in. Uh, so he'd be working on stuff, and then practice would end, and and he's still out there. You know, he's one of the last guys off the ice. Like this guy refused to get out work. And you watch all these like crazy tip goals and like all these weird plays around the net. He's working on those things every single day. Like those aren't accidents. And just the amount of time he spends, um, you, you'd think he would tire out. And like, there's just no way this guy can play 82, continue to practice this hard, battle this hard. And he finds a way to do it every single year. That's unreal. That's, That's so, so cool. cool. I got a lot of hearing that. Whereas yeah. How much would I be living off of Red Bulls? You know, Sid would be uh, just going the other way, just somehow finding a way, uh, the healthy way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he would be living off Red Bulls and Cokes, and he always finds the energy, and he always brings it. And Sid is just like takes care of the body and, and finds a way to bring it. So <laughs> there, there's a couple ways you can go around it, but uh, you know, those those guys are two polar opposites, but the best at what they do. That's, that's awesome. So, that's so cool. How much? How much like learning did you did you get to do like watching those guys play? Or I guess anybody in the NHL. But I mean, you had the two that I'd say like the best players in the last decade, probably you know, or top five at least. You know, uh, how much did you getting able to be on the same ice, practicing with them all the time, watching what they do? Like, how much did that help you as a player? Uh, it helped, but it also hindered because I just get caught watching like a fan. You know, you're in a game and Ovi's going for goal number four and you're just watching him like, how is he doing this? And then you're like, oh shoot, I have to go out next. And it's just, <laughs> <laughs> game. And it's just fun to watch these guys. And um, it's, it's crazy, especially, you know, the game when they're, they're heating up and you can just tell like there's something's going to happen here and the puck just follows them around. And it's, it's just fun to be able to watch that uh, live just right in front of you. 
That's so, that's so cool. Well, let me ask you about your time in uh, in Pittsburgh. You, you won a Stanley Cup there, and every time we get somebody on that has won a Stanley Cup, you know, I just I'm so interested in why, like the why of of why that team did it. Uh, every team has a different fabric. Every team has different DNA. But a lot of times, there's some some similarities to to the teams that that win and and you know, are able to to achieve that ultimate goal. But, you know, what was it, do you think, uh, about your team in Pittsburgh going over there that allowed you guys to to reach the ultimate success of, of winning a Stanley Cup? Well, we actually struggled out the gate at the start of the season. Um, we we were having trouble winning, and our coach ended up getting fired right around Christmas time and brought in Mike Sullivan. And, uh, you know, that kind of changed things around. He He demanded a little bit more out of the team and um you know you could tell practice intensity ramped up a little bit and um you know we just got the best out of all of our players and i think that was that was probably the turning point for us obviously um it, it was a sprint to the finish with with him uh, behind the bench and you know everybody was just playing fighting for jobs and all of a sudden um, you know we were we were winning games and it was fun and and it just kind of carried into playoffs i always find the teams that are are playing well going into playoffs or the teams that are dangerous. It's not necessarily the team that's first or second or third. It's the team that's on a heater going into the playoffs. Those are the teams you need to look out for because, you know, they're kind of feeling it and they're feeling it in the room. They know they can't lose. And and those are the dangerous teams. And, and we were one of those teams. That's great. What, uh, what was the room like? Like, what was the leadership situation? Like, what was the room like? What was the culture like, um, you know, getting into Pittsburgh and having Sid and having some of those guys, that were tested, um, you know, what was, what was kind of like the overall culture? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, it was a good group. Uh, a lot of quiet leaders uh, on the team with, with Sid, obviously. Um, we, we had some older guys like Matt Cullen, Nick Bonino, uh, myself, guys that are, were kind of like the checking line guys that they relied on a lot to kind of keep the, the rookies in check and, uh, um, you know, make sure everybody's working hard because that, that's really not a job for, for Sid or Gino or, or for Phil Kessel, who was there, you know, those guys are worried about their own games and, um, you know, obviously they, they chime in at times, but, um, you know, I find the teams that are really successful are, are teams that have really good third and fourth line guys that, that work hard, that demand a lot out of uh, everybody else. And, um, and we definitely had that. That's awesome. That's one thing we talk about, like in, um, well, I know NHL scouts and GMs talk about it too, but like in college, the, the world that I'm in a little bit more, like how important depth is like depth is everything when it comes to having a championship team, because, you know, first of all, if you can have four lines that can score and four lines that can check, or at least three or four, like right around that, like you're, that's going to help your team a lot, but also like injuries happen, slumps happen. Um, and when you have depth, I feel like practice is even more competitive too, because like guys are kind of fighting for ice time. Guys are kind of fighting for spots. Like there's some competition, like healthy within the lineup and stuff. And like, so you think depth is like a, one of the, I mean, you've played a lot of years in the NHL. Do you think depth is, cause I'm sure you have some teams that had a little bit more, some teams that maybe not so much. Is that like a big part of the success of a team? You think? I think it's one of the most important parts. Uh, the year we won the cup, uh, our fourth line started against every team's first line in the defensive zone. So we, instead of sending Sid's line over, or Gino's line over, or Benino's line over, here comes the fourth line playing against every team's top line. We played against Thornton's line in, in the finals. We played against Sobechkin's line in, in the second round. We're playing against uh, 
Stamkos's line in Tampa, and we're we're playing against them, but we're we have hockey really. You win the draw, you get it out, you get a two hundred foot whistle, and you get off the ice. <laughs> you know, it, it's really the thankless job. Like you you can't win that game, but um, it's it's for the betterment of the team and and obviously the team's success and and all that. So you take pride in that, and and that was one thing that that I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about just having pride in what you do, whatever it is. If you're a penalty killer, you don't have to be the leading scorer on the team to make a difference. And that's something uh, we talk about with our junior team here that I work with. Um, you know, when you're walking into the rink, you need to have the confidence that you're making the difference in that game. You don't have to be the star player, but you have to walk through that door. I'm going to make the difference. What am I going to do to make that difference today? And it doesn't matter who you are in the lineup. You need to have that attitude. And if everybody comes through the door with that attitude, you're going to win games. That's so awesome. That's yeah. one of the, that's one of the, so I do these um calls with it's, I put it out on my Instagram. Like anybody who wants to call me, you know, I charge them a hundred bucks. It says 45 minutes. Usually I'm on the phone for an hour or so. Um, it's usually players who lose confidence, have lost confidence in juniors, college, or even some younger pros. Um, and one of the biggest things is that I found, and that's why I was so interested in your transition from juniors to, to pro is I've, I've found, and from talking to, you know, working with, you know, thousands of players now online and in person, not a big deal, um, through my training company, the, the, the change in, in the game from midgets to juniors for me, at least personally was the hardest of my career. Like that was the hardest jump. It was, it was the biggest gap of like the style of play, the coaching, it, everything being on the line, you can get cut, you can get traded. I went from being a skilled guy to being a guy who could barely play in the USHL at 17. And I became a grinder, but I was skinny as hell. I, I didn't know how to hit. I never really hit anybody before that. And that was a big change for me. And I, I hear a lot of first year junior players kind of going through that same thing, wherever they came from, they were the big fish in the small pond. And now their role is getting changed. You obviously went through that uh, uh, pretty dramatically. You led the WHL in scoring. Not a big deal again. Um, what would you say to those players? Or, or you know, and what do you what do you say? You're coaching a junior team. I'm sure you got guys that are kind of in that position. What do you tell them? Because I think the mindset piece of, you know, getting comfortable with that role and, and everything. What what, do you, what would you advise them? How, how what should they do? Well, the way I always looked at it is you have to find a way to make a difference. So if you're not scoring, you need to find a way to do something else. And obviously you're going to continue to try to score and, and that's not going to change, but you need to find a way to make a difference. And if for me, if that was playing center, now, now I'm a shutdown guy. Now I'm on the penalty kill. Your, your coach needs to be able to rely on you for something. You don't want to be that guy that's stuck on the bench that can't play four and four, can't play power play, can't play penalty kill, can't win a faceoff. Like at that point, you're not going to be on the team. So you need to find a way to make a difference. And if it's not scoring, you need to find it, find it somewhere else. And and that was something that I needed to learn in the NHL. Um, you know, I, I wish I could have finished my career as a top line winger, but I came in as a top line winger and I came out, I checked out as a shutdown centerman. And that's just the way things go sometimes. Um, you know, you, you have to adapt to stay in the game and um, you know, that's, that's part of it. Some of these jumps are big for me. Um, junior to AHL wasn't the biggest jump. AHL to the NHL was huge for me. It was, it was something about that speed. Um, obviously sitting behind Ovechkin, you're not getting that power play time and, and all those things and Semin and Baxter. We had, we had all these guys. I wasn't getting on the power play. So you have to find a different way to be effective. Wow. I love that. I coaches, I hope, I hope you coaches that are listening can really 
focus on that as a message to your players and, and everything we've talked about in this episode goes into that, you know, playing multiple positions, adding more tricks to your bag, you know, being more versatile because at some point you're going to run into an Ovechkin on the team and, you know, you're not going to get that spot. So now exactly what he said, what do you, what can you do for me now? And it's got to be something penalty kill, blocking shots, energy, hitting, fighting. You've got to bring something that the team needs and you have to do or else you're going to be gone. And I think that, you know, coaches at the younger levels need to uh, impress that upon younger players. So, okay, yeah, you're you're you've, you're leading the midget league by 50 points. Great. Okay, maybe that's not going to happen in a year. Maybe it's not going to happen in two years when you get to college or major junior. Yes, you still need to be defensive. Yes, you need to work on your assignments. Yes, you need to work on faceoffs. Like continue to work on that stuff. It's what allowed our friend here to have a long career in the NHL and win a Stanley Cup. And it's really hard for the players to see it. I think it's kind of up to the coaches to to bring that to them. Like, you guys, I know you're having success. You need to start working on this a little bit more. You need to bring this into your game. Because when you're playing and you're scoring, you don't want to hear anything. But it, it's up to the coaches to be hard on you and to, to kind of bring you to that next level to prepare you. At the end of the day, um, you know, they're going to – what they're doing for you is going to benefit you. You won't see it and you're going to hate it, but it's going to benefit you in the long run. Love that. Love that. Well, I want to, I want to talk to you about your transition out of hockey and and what you're doing now, but one last question before that, because I love talking to guys like you who've been through it and, and have gone through the ringer and, and have come out with, you know, just such an unbelievable career. I mean, longevity is like the heart. It's like, I don't want to say it's easy to have a good couple years in the NHL because it's not, but to have the career that you had, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and in the role that you did, you talk about being a, you know, a shutdown center. I wanted to ask you like, what are some little habits or what are some tricks of the trade or what's some kind of like mindset or habit thing as a shutdown center that you think allowed you to play against the Ovechkins and play against the Thorntons? Um, you know, for, for anybody out there that's looking to get a little bit of an edge and add something like that to their game, what were, what were some things that were important to you as you were going out, you know, facing Joe, Joe Thornton and all those guys? Well, it was, it was trying to bring that consistency, obviously, but be hard to play against like that. That's the big thing for any shutdown. You don't want a team to be excited to play against you. So what does that mean? You need to play super physical. You got to be hard to play against. You got to be hard on pucks. I like to, I had a bit of a go-go gadget stick where my stick would just always get in the way so I could break up plays. And it was frustrating to play against because I could, I had that long reach. I was kind of lanky and I was big enough that you couldn't like push me around. So, um, you know, for me, I, I prided myself on, on being very difficult to get to the net, uh, you know, in front of me. I, I wasn't going to let anybody get to the, the net. I was going to box them out. And this was, I, they've changed it a little bit, but like you could box out from the half wall, you know, back in the day, you could, uh, you could just start boxing out at any point. In time. So, you know, I wanted to be super hard to get to the net against, and it just wasn't happening on my watch. That was kind of the mentality when I'm out here, it's just not happening. And, and to the, to, to be honest, it, it was probably to the point where my offensive game struggled because I was so determined to not get scored on that. Uh, you know, I was sometimes maybe a little bit too defensive, but um, you know, that's something I took pride in. Love that. Love that. Pride. I think, I think it worked. I think it looked great. <laughs> Even a career obviously worked. Well done. 
For sure. For sure. Well, Eric, you're back in, uh, you're back in Manitoba now and you're coaching Tim bits, coaching your kids and stuff, but you got some other cool ventures going on. And you know, the, the transition out of hockey is, is one that is full with a lot of different paths. Some people transition a little bit easier than others. Um, some people stay in hockey, some people get out of hockey, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, if you can just talk about how your transition has been and, and what you're doing now, because we were talking about it beforehand. Um, sounds like you're, uh, you're working with a company that's pretty cool and would love to uh, hear a little bit more about it here. Yeah. Transition has been pretty good for me. I, I kind of saw it coming, uh, you know, a little while back and, and like I was telling you earlier, I tried to retire a year earlier and got <laughs> Uh, got sucked back in for one more year so it gave me a little bit more time to kind of work my way out but um you know i started using a product called lactigo when i was in the nhl i used it my last couple of years and it just helped me recover and just helped me perform at the top level you know for my last couple of years it, it probably bought me a year or two of hockey and it just helped me feel so much better and, and by the time i was out of the game you know i wanted to be involved in this company so it's a company i'm working with now uh, Lactigo, it's called, and um, you know it just helps with your performance, helps with your recovery. It's a a topical gel, so it's uh, it's been a fun project for me. In fact, you were going nuts about it when we were talking about it earlier. Like this is legit stuff. Yeah, no, I mean anybody out there, you guys know my whole thing is like any one percent you can find in any avenue that's obviously legal and safe and stuff. And uh, you know, I got a blue check mark on Instagram, and, and Eric reached out to me. I'm just gonna tell the truth here, guys. Oh All right, he reached out to me, and he's like, "Hey, Insta you're the Instagram guy," and I'm like, "What's up?" And uh, no, and I think we got on a call, and he was like, "Dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm serious like this stuff." And I'd actually somebody brought it to me in St. Louis like a year ago, and was like, "Does this does try this out, man? Like, I, I'm doing a, a half marathon, or doing a bike race, or something." And I was like. Dude, this stuff never works. And I just threw it back at him. I was like, I'm not even going to try this. This, is not, this isn't going to work. And so fast forward a year, get on the phone with Eric. Um, like I said, found me on Instagram, blue check mark, Jeff Vecchio. What's up? Oh God, and just end the podcast now. <laughs> no, but so, and he, he literally said what he just said. He's like, my, it extended my career a full year. Like, I really believe in this stuff. And I was like, listen, like, tell me the truth. Do you really believe in this? And he's like, yeah, let me send you a box. So he sent me a box. It comes in and it just so happened to come in during the off season during phase three of the summer for me for, with my with my guys where um, I that's the hardest phase of summer. Like I, I push them very hard. I don't like having guys throw up, but I, I did have multiple guys throw up. But maybe I made it a little too hard. We was crushing them on the sleds on Thursdays. And um, so before I did what Eric told me, he said, hey, have them put this on 45 minutes before the workout, put it on one leg and not the other. See what they see. You know, notice what they notice. Let me know how it goes. So I had all my D1 guys in and uh, like 20, 21, 22 guys or something. And they only put it on one leg and I had them all put it on some of them on their dominant leg, some on their non-dominant leg. We do this sled workout that we called sled death. And uh, afterwards, the boys were like, where do I buy this? Where do I buy this? Like, this is insane. This leg, it, it can't, I can't even move this leg. And this leg is ready to keep going. And I was like, no way, come on. Cause I let them try it first. Uh, Cause I got it that day. So then I tried it and I crushed myself and I was like, holy crap, dude. So all the guys, they buy it out right away. Um, I gave it to one of my uh, uh, guys who signed in the AHL 
Um, he was the captain of Arizona state, Jacob Wilson, and he went to their camp and he did their skating test and he had never used it. And he put it on before the skating test. And he, he texts me after, and he's like, Vex, I'm, I'm not saying this to say this, like, I'm just telling you my, my experience. And he's like, Vex, I used that stuff. And oh my God, my legs were totally fine. I absolutely crushed it. And I was like, all right. Like it's the boys absolutely love it. Uh, uh, yeah. I just had a guy buy like six bottles last night out of the gym. Like these this stuff is legit. And what's really cool is that it's uh it's WADA safe. It's, it's a uh, safe sport, legal, all that type of stuff. So college pro guys, whatever, whatever sport uh, uh, that, that gets tested um, totally legal. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan. I also got a discount where I have to go. GMBM is a discount for any listeners out there. If you want to throw it up for you, if you forgot about it, yeah, I, oh, I didn't coming. forget about it, baby. I tell everybody, come on, everybody, <laughs> everybody knows my discount code is GMBM, but this stuff is legit. If you're looking to gain an edge, seriously, give this stuff a try. Like it, it really does work. And we, we also have it in a lot of the NHL dressing rooms and a lot of the, uh, the key players, I won't go into any of the names, but uh, a lot of the key players in the NHL are using it right now as well. So we, we have it kind of tested in the whole hockey market and it's, uh, it's definitely working. Awesome, man. Awesome. It sounds like you found uh, another passion and, and uh, that's, that's all we can ask for when we got out of the game, especially you played for such a long time. A lot of times that can be really, really difficult to, to find what's next. Uh, but it's uh, really cool to see that you have. And uh, what'd you say? You got a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old yeah, that are playing? Boy and a four-year-old boy who are playing. So I get to, to watch this and uh, it'll be fun for sure. That's awesome. I'm, I got five, three and one. So, but uh, I got the girls, I got all girls. So, um, but it was fun. Five we were playing already. The, yeah, they're skating. They're not playing yet. Uh, our five-year-old's getting there. So we actually were at my sister's house uh, over the break here over Christmas and they have one of those nice rinks in the backyard. And uh, so we got out there, my, uh, my little nephew's six. And uh, so he was going like, he's, he's actually, I think I told you Vex, like he's pretty legit. Like he's good. Dude, we played uh Christmas day shinny hockey and I beat you. You don't remember Jackson was on my team. What's up? Yeah, I'm talking about on the ice, Jeffrey. Oh, all right. I just wanted to throw in the podcast you know, <laughs> that, that, uh, <laughs> that okay. I did win. Not a big deal. Grind okay. it out. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty well, you you are correct. I think it was one of those things where it was like um we were playing and our team was beating you, but then it was like a next goal wins kind of thing, and you guys scored the, the last goal. And I I'm saying you beat us. I'm okay. saying you beat us. Okay. All right. Cool. Six year old score the goal to win. What'd you say? You guys aren't competitive at all. No, <laughs> zero competitiveness in our family. I got, I got, I got checked through a, uh, like a sliding door. Who, and... you, who hit you? Who was that? Cody. Who else? You oh, know? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. <laughs> Back to what? that shinny hockey full circle. Yeah, for sure. Well, Eric, thanks so much, man, for coming on. This has been great. Such a fun conversation and uh, so glad for you. Congrats on a hell of a career. Um, and uh, it was really cool to get the chance to talk to you about your journey and, uh, best of luck moving forward with, uh, say the company name and the website one more time, if you can. Yeah. Lactigo. It's just lactigo.com and the code is GMBM. Oh, let's go. go. <laughs> I really All appreciate right. you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun to talk to you guys. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, man.